everybody, and welcome to an amazing edition of the Media Boat Podcast. How do you know? How do I already know that it's going to be amazing? Well, hey, I'm just psychic like that. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast that's dedicated to news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. And for the first week of this season, nothing crazy happened on a Wednesday. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we finally have come to the actual January. We're living in real January now. We're like, things are starting to come out again. There's new releases again. The news is getting a little weirder, but there's no major catastrophes. So major catastrophe. Okay major catastrophe. Uh, I should mention, today is January the 27th, 2021, and we always start the show with movies. We're going to briefly talk about box office here. The Marksman is still your number one movie with another $2 million. Uh, Wonder, Wo- Wonder Woman 1984 following behind that with 16.7. No, 1.6. Um, 16 points. Oh. You you typed that wrong. I, I thought typed I that said wrong. that wrong, but you typed that wrong. Nah. Yeah, I was going to say that is a lot more money than that thing actually made. Uh, $1.67 million. So small potatoes still. But what isn't small potatoes is the movie news this week. We're starting with a story about theater chain AMC, one of our favorite subjects over the last couple of years on the Media Pope podcast. Eh, we like to keep tabs on them every once in a while. <laughs> we do. Here's what's going on. Here's a little update about what's going on with their financials. They have raised $917 million in new equity and debt capital. They say, quote, this increased liquidity should allow the company to make it through this dark coronavirus impacted winter. They added its financial runway has been extended deep into 2021. This has shades of similar language they were talking about in the summer of last year, saying that they had gained enough capital to keep cruising through the rest of this kind of um, coronavirus season. Right. That was back in July when they said they added about 10 months, which would end about February. In in about a month or so. Yeah. Uh, The company, uh, so out of that $917 million, AMC has raised $506 million of equity from the issuance of 164.7 million new common shares, along with previously announced securing of $100 million of additional first lien debt, and the concurrent issuance of 22 million new common shares to convert 100... Basically a bunch of financial jargon that, unless you're a Redditor post, we'll get to that later, uh, poster, we'll get to that later uh, with the video game story, you don't know what any of this means. It means that they're allowing new stocks to be purchased uh, via the stock market. Yeah. So, yeah, after securing, uh, but, but wait, uh, let me move back up. Uh, Adam Aaron, two first names, AMC CEO and president, said, Today is the sun is shining on AMC. Oh. After securing more, yep, it sounds exactly like that, too. After securing more than $1 billion of cash between April and November of 2020 through equity and debt raises, along with a modest amount of asset sales, sounds like it's not going to be modest for too much longer, uh, we are proud to announce today that over this past six weeks, AMC has raised an additional $917 million capital infusion to bolster and solidify our liquidity and financial position. 
This means that any talk of an imminent bankruptcy for AMC is completely off the table. So enough people poured enough money where they're going to keep cruising and they're no longer in danger of bankruptcy. They're also able to get an extended uh, loan yeah. in order to make these payments. Um, this does mean that they need to pay the loan back Yeah. Uh, once theaters get open. No words on that details of when that loan will come due. I assume in a year because they assume yeah, movie theaters should be coming out then. money by yeah. then. We will see, I suppose. But we'll see. Um, we will. Yeah, this is mainly, I mean, we'll get to the, as you said, the stock market and gaming because people were literally gaming the stock market. Uh, but yeah, these aim seems not over yet. They're not... Uh, Declaring bankruptcy, they're not throwing in the towel just quite yet. Related to the thing you just mentioned and the story that we'll talk about in the video game section, AMC is likely the next target, uh, sounds like, from Scuttlebutt. We're hearing about the Reddit stock insanity that's happening. But again, we'll get to that later in the show. But before we get to video games, our next story is about 20th Century Studios, the studio formerly in, in its own thing over at Fox, now under the Disney umbrella, of course. They're shaking up some releases due to the ongoing pandemic. So what- Yeah, this is why AMC needed to borrow more money and to raise more capital because theaters, studios that were supposed to release movies upcoming, not gonna happen. I mean, yeah. we've already talked about how HBO Max and Warner Brothers are doing day and date release for their for their films. Well, here is what 20th Century is planning to do. Like every other studio, Disney is responding to the reality of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here are the latest delays for their 20th Century Studios films. First up, The King's Man, that of course being in The Kingsman. Series. The prequel. Moved from March 3rd to August 20th for its current date. The Bob's Burgers movie, or Bob's Burgers colon, the movie. Bob Burgers colon? Yeah, yes, Bob's Burgers colon. It's about his colon. Uh, Moved from April 9th to now being off the release schedule indefinitely. So who knows about the fate of that one. Ron's Gone Wrong moved from April 23rd all the way down to October 22nd. The Night House is now dated for July 16th. The Eyes of Tammy Faye are now dated for limited release on September 24th. Antlers is now dated October 29th. And Nightmare Alley, title updated for the film. Uh, I don't know what it was before. And that's now for December 3rd. Elsewhere, Universal has announced that Nobody, starring Emmy winner Bob Odenkirk, will move back two months to April 2nd. Elsewhere, again, Focus Features announced a new date for Edgar Wright's next film, Last Night in Soho, which shifts its planned wide release from April 23rd to October 22nd. So everything's getting pushed to the end of the year. Right. Notice how the earliest thing that got pushed was The Night House, which is now dated July 16th, mm-hmm. being the earliest. A lot of these moved to fall and later release, August, September, and October after summer movie season. Right. I don't think it's because they're worried about summer blockbusters. No. 
is because there aren't going to be any movies in the summer. Right, because I mean, for what is currently listed for summer blockbusters, yeah, you kind of want to get out of the way for those. However, you also want people to be comfortable going back to a theater, which might not happen by the time summer comes around. The later, the better, if you're hedging your bets. And um, I mean, we'll get to hedging bets later in gaming. <laughs> we'll get there already. We should have done a reverse show this week. Anyway, would have actually been better payoff. Um, but that's okay. Too late now. Um, uh, no, we'll, so, we'll just keep feeding these uh, yeah. run bits uh, to I mean, actually the- get there. It's the weirdest story of the week, like by all, like of all, like on all accounts. Like, so yeah, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, nothing surprising here. Movies moving further and further back until people are comfortable seeing movies again. Speaking of being comfortable seeing movies again, did you watch any movies this week? I did. Okay. I watched Palm Springs. Again? Colon. Commentary. Oh, <laughs> Which was released on Hulu, uh, featuring Andy Samberg, Chris Malati, and the director and screenwriter. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So watch that, because I like that kind of stuff where you get the behind the scenes as of your favorite films. And seeing as that was one of our favorite films from the past year. <laughs> I believe it was, was our favorite film of the past year, according to one Media Boat podcast. You can bet that we thought I watched it. Yeah. Turns out. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, but no 2021 releases uh, going down. Not since Wonder Woman. Uh, but that being said, The Little Things will come out on HBO Max on Friday. I'll be watching that. Okay, so we'll hear more uh, That's about Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and one Jared Leto. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Your mileage may vary on that last one. <laughs> yes. Very much so. All right. Well, in that case, without any movies to talk to, it means we can move right on into sports. And who? What a week uh, in sports! Uh, last comment in movies, though. Yes. The tra- new trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon, right? For Disney, came out. Will be a day and date release in theaters and Disney Plus. Hallelujah. But will be premium subscription. Ah, no. $30. They finally did it. They finally did one that I actually want to see with the premium on it. Man. Right. But they did this as a as a day and date. Um, before with Milan, it was just strictly streaming. Right. With Soul, it was streaming free. This is the third option mm-hmm. in theaters and streaming. streaming. Premium well, model. All right. Well, we'll see when we get a little closer to that release, but I might, I might pull the trigger for that one. I might pull the trigger on that, too. I do that. Um, it's a family movie, so you might have a better chance, Disney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Now it is time for sports. Ooh, sports Corner. Lots of good sports stuff. Yeah, good sports week. Um, first up, Cristiano Ronaldo, everybody's favorite, mm-hmm. scored his 760th goal in competitive matches. This is important because he is now the all-time goal scorer in competitive matches. Yeah. Uh, he passed... Of soccer. We should, we, yeah, I feel like we should, that's a given, but I guess we should say what it is. 
Well, you figure when you talk about Ronaldo, you're talking about soccer. I mean, yes. You should know who Ronaldo is, but most people do. But he has 760 goals scored, so he's been mentioned quite a bit. Been around. He's been around for quite a while. Uh, But yeah, he's now the leading goal scorer in competitive matches, all time, past Pele and the other guy, Argentinian. Not as famous. Not as famous. <laughs> Next up in sports, though, and uh, yeah, we called it uh, news. Well, it's not officially confirmed yet, but all signs seem to point to this. Uh, Japan, you ask. Yes, Japan is looking likely that it will cancel the 2020 Olympics yet again, meaning that they will not uh, take place this year or ever. So it seems like the case will be is that if they cancel this uh, 2021 event that means that they basically are abdicating the Olympics and it will move on to the next Olympics. So the next Olympics will be the February 2022 Winter Games that I believe are in Beijing? I think you're right there. Yeah. Um, privately they are saying that it's not going to happen. Publicly, or at least the Japan, the the Olympic Committee in Japan is saying privately it's not looking likely that it will happen. Yeah. Publicly, the IOC is saying that they will still push forward with the Olympic Games. Yeah. Polling amongst people in Japan, 80% say they would rather not have the Olympic Games right now. It makes sense. I mean, you're seeing stuff in Japan like movie releases being uh, being delayed, theme park releases being delayed because they're also not in any shape uh, to have big crowds quite yet. Not only that, um, they don't want people traveling to Japan right. Right. bringing potential virus back to them. So it seems like the consensus is, is unless there is a miracle with vaccine count happening between now and the Olympics opening, then it is very unlikely that they will be able to vaccinate every athlete and every guest uh, adequately before the Olympics proceed. So yeah, it's it's going to be a case probably where the IOC is probably just going to have to listen to Japan when Japan says, uh, no, we can't. And right. This means have to move on. Yeah, this means a winter Beijing, I think, as yeah. you mentioned. So February 2022 would be the next Olympics. Right. Uh, summer. That's also a big if because that's coming up very quickly. That's a year from next month. Right, and that's winter Olympics. Summer Olympics 2024 is in Paris. 2028 is in Los Angeles. We'll see. Already announced. <laughs> we'll see about that. It's already announced, though. So, yeah. which means mean the next possible date they could get it back is 2032. Yeah. 2032. So, yeah, it's up in the air right now. We will, of course, uh, report more when there is official word. But, yeah, all signs are seen to pointing to that this is not going to happen this year, uh, nor should it. So, what does this mean for Son- Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games? Yes. It becomes in a, a probably a collectible at this point uh, because it refers to an Olympics that never happened, <laughs> which is great. In fact, uh, yeah, I guess buy a copy of that right now and maybe hold on to it. Oh, I have a copy of it already. Oh, that's right. Me too. I got it last year. It's going to be valuable. It's going to be valuable someday. It's like, oh, the Olympics that didn't happen. It's hilarious because there's a lot of trivia in there expecting the Olympics to happen 60 years later. And it never did. <laughs> and then nowhere is the game it going to be mentioned that oh, so it was canceled. So good. Well, that's exciting. I'm glad you had that. All right. 
but there's other sports news to get to. All right, let's get most, back stateside here. Most notably in football, because yes, the championship yeah, the championship games happened last Sunday. And championship have, Sunday. Yep, it makes sense. Uh, and we have our Super Bowl teams. The Super Bowl, aka Super Bowl Fifty Five, will be between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So yes, unfortunately, yet another Tom Brady Super Bowl. Um, this will be Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl yeah. in 22 years, Yeah, I want to say, which means about right. every other year, roughly, <laughs> he's been in the Super Bowl. And you know what? It felt like that. <laughs> I feel like every time we get a year without a Tom Brady, he's back the next year because, like, of course he is. I mean, he, he could, didn't even have to stay on his team to be in the Super Bowl this time. He did it with a completely different team. Right. I mean, he's also won seven of those ten. Right. Well, this will be a potential eight out of ten. Well, that's the question, though. Potential. Do you think that the Chiefs uh, could uh, shut him out? I've been saying this a long time, okay. that Tampa Bay has no defense. Right. I've and this is evidence of them giving up 24, 28 points in each of the past three games. They get scored on very easily, not very easily, but they do get scored on. The score goes up. So if the Chiefs go hard, and the Chiefs can score fast, Tyree Hill is a fast man. So it's possible, is what you're saying. It's possible that... If they keep the ball out of the hands of Tom Brady. That's the thing, though. Kansas City would have to break their own script and run the ball in order to eat the clock and get the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. Yeah. Which means you starve your wide receivers, which means that if they get the ball, they're going to try and house it every single time because they're not going to get a whole lot of passes. Yeah. I'm very excited to watch the one Super Bowl or the one football game I watch every year, which is the Super Bowl. (laughs) I'm I'm ready. I've got the TV for it this year. I'm ready. I'm going to have the ideal Super Bowl experience, even though I can't go anywhere or do anything. I can watch it on a 4K television <laughs> I'll be able to listen to the Super Bowl properly this year because I installed surround sound speakers. Hell yeah, you did. Yeah. Christmas gift from the wife. Breaking news. My mother sent me a joke that I'm going to read uh, because it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But shout out like to a, your yeah, mom. Shout out to my mom. Uh, joke. I heard Sting was kidnapped. The police have no lead. That's a music joke. <laughs> <laughs> Should I save that for music section? Yes. Anyways, I'll respond to her later. Anyways. <laughs> you should tell, tell her if they should need to ask Roxanne. <laughs> she doesn't have to put on the red light. Anyway, that's not it for sports, though. We continue with sports. Only 22,000 fans will be allowed to be in attendance at the Super Bowl this year, with 7,500 of them being healthcare workers. Now, I see what they're trying to do here. Like, give the health care workers a reward for being on the front lines and working so hard. But also, putting healthcare workers in a situation where there is a crowd of people also doesn't seem like a great idea to me. Yeah, I forgot the little asterisk here. Those are vaccinated healthcare workers. Oh, 
Okay, there we go. You just wanted you just wanted to withhold that information so you could do exactly what you just did. Yes, the the bit paid off. <laughs> right. Yes. I thank you. Thank you for setting that up. Um, also, the, every team in the NFL will be sending healthcare workers from their state, their city, okay. to the Super Bowl with free uh, free tickets. All those healthcare workers are getting free tickets. Okay, cool. Most of them are coming from the Tampa Bay area because that's where Super Bowl is hosted, but they will also be representatives from every team in every city to be sent from the NFL, okay. but they have to be vaccinated as part of it. So, right, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Okay, lastly, in Super Bowl updates, Budweiser will be joining Pepsi and Coca Cola in doing what we talked about last week, which is not running Super Bowl commercials and instead promoting vaccine awareness with their marketing dollars. So, yeah, exactly what we talked about last week, same strategy. Yep. No Clydesdales. No Clydesdales. But that does mean we will get a lot of Bud Light Seltzer ads, though. Yeah, you'll probably see the pushes on the side brands. Yep, side brands will get the heavy push. Main brands will probably do one lump um, ad saying, instead of, like, we're donating this money to healthcare workers. Like, I mean, that's essentially what they should do is. Right. Super Bowl ad spot costs 30 seconds. We're doubling this. Or matching it, or whatever, Something to like healthcare that. workers, get that thirty-second spot in right at the beginning, and just say, "Okay, yep. that's done." Brought to you by these brands, yeah. and that'd be the one ad, I guess, if you want to say that, because it is technically ad space. It technically, is an ad, but yeah, it's not really marketing for them. So yeah, no, you're probably right. There'll probably be something like that. That's uh, what they sure. should do. They Will should they do. do it? I don't know because I'm smarter than these people. So. <laughs> You're like, hire me. Clearly, I have these great ideas. Um, so when, uh, so what day again is the Super Bowl? Is that um, not? It is not this Sunday. Week? It is the following Sunday, uh, the seventh. The seventh of our and the, um, February. This upcoming Sunday is technically for the Pro Bowl, right? But there will be no physical Pro Bowl. They will still do announcements on who made the Pro Bowl and yeah. then play a Madden Pro Bowl. Hell yeah! They will put. They will create teams with these people, with these players on each respective team. Yeah. Assign the head coaches and then virtually sim the Madden game. Nice, nice. Yep. Looking forward to that. All right, moving on out of football and into baseball, or a lack thereof, because it was Hall of Fame time in baseball season, but nobody was elected to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Oh boy, this has not happened yeah. since 2013. <laughs> okay, that's not as far away as you would make me think, but yes. Um, well, before that, it was 1996. Right, it's not common. Um, no, at least usually one person gets in, and yeah. usually there's also subcommittees of era of baseballs, which allow people to get in. But this heard, year, nobody. I heard to the grapevine that one... Uh, Bloody sock man himself, Kurt Schilling, was trying and was denied. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> right, I'll read the quote here. Yeah. Oh, you have a quote. All right. I have the quote. I have the quote from MLB uh, website. Okay. Uh, entering the day, three individuals had received votes on more than 70% of the publicly available ballots. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, 
and Barry Bonds. <laughs> Do you see where this is going? Yeah. It's like, no, no, and no. None of them hit the 75% voting threshold needed for induction. This was the penultimate year on the ballots for Bonds, Clemens, and Schelling. <laughs> All three are set to appear on the ballot for the 10th and final time next year. So if they don't get it next year, they'll never be in the Hall of Fame. Not necessarily. There is a side committee that meets every couple of years that elects people who worked in on the first 10 that basically group them as an era of baseball. Mm, Okay. So this becomes the interesting discussion of is of what do you see the MLB Hall of Fame as? Yeah. Is it a shrine to the best players or is it more of a museum? Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is for people that are not us to figure out. So, um, oh, I've already figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that as long as Kurt Schilling still owes like like millions of dollars to the state of Rhode Island, then I don't think he should. For, be for, but that's for his gaming company. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's still. That's not for playing baseball. Her chilling is a fascinating, just the story of his life is fascinating. We'll never, we'll never, we will never let that down. All right, moving on. Our last uh, couple bits in uh, sports here move us to golf, in which Phil Mickelson has played first even par in 2,200 professional rounds of golf. Yes, this was, was golf. this was his 2,201st round. And the only time in professional rounds that he has hit even par. No pluses, no minuses, straight par for every hole. Which, you know. Not bad. And for average people, that's really good. Yeah, no, yes. For someone like Phil Mickelson. Right. That is kind of a terrible day. (laughs) I mean, yes, but the quantity is the point here, right? Yes, that, that in a single round of golf, 18 holes. You hit par on every single hole. No bogeys, no birdies, nothing else. Straight pars. It shows a consistency. Yeah, but it's also kind of amazing that he hasn't done that yet in 22,000 rounds. (laughs) Yeah, but you play long enough, you'll eventually get there. I know you think you get there sooner. (laughs) (laughs) He's not Tiger Woods. No, but I was like, 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 if he realized on the last hole, like, ooh, he can like break it or if he just wants to, you know. Just do it just because, oh, I already did 17. Might as well finish it. (laughs) (laughs) But still, regardless, a lot of golf. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting stat. (laughs) Yeah. Then lastly, and not so interesting stats, uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, technical knocked out Conor McGregor on Fight Island in UFC 257. Yep. Justin Poirier. It's French. Thank you. Poirier. Poirier. Like, like Hercule, like Hercule Poirier. Yeah. Uh, um, um, yes, Pierre. Yeah. Uh, TKO'd Conor McGregor, and basically the whole crowd that was there and everyone else cheered because Conor McGregor got knocked out again. Yeah, awesome. It's good yeah. news whenever it happens. <laughs> this means he has lost two of his last three matches, and has dropped in ranking to the sixth. Uh, number six in UFC lightweight. Nice. 
Good to see. Good to see that man down for the count. Yep. Also, uh, two first names and surprise. Actually, I should reverse that. Also, uh, it happened in UFC 257. A surprise win by two first names, Michael Chandler, who ranked, who got his ranked bumped up to number four and possibly looking for a title fight. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, look out for two first names, Michael Chandler. Just want to throw that shout out <laughs> to him. Fair enough. Uh, two first names in this podcast. Oh, yeah. Anything else in sports before we move on handily into television news? I mean, there's something about NBC Sports, but I don't think we need to talk about it. <laughs> I think we will get there. Right now, our first story is about NBC and their streaming network, Peacock, and changes that they're both making to their roundup of content. First up is NBC Sports Network. Well, say goodbye because it's shutting down. The Bye-bye. network will stop operations by the end of 2021. NBC will be transferring its sports media rights, including hockey, NASCAR, and the Premier League, to USA Network, which is in its um, catalog of cable networks. Mm-hmm. This will not impact the NBC Sports regional networks, though, which include NBC Sports Boston, NBC Sports Philadelphia, NBC Sports Washington, Chicago, Bay Area, and Pacific Northwest. These regional sports networks operate as a separate business than the proper NBC Sports Network. The network took over NHL rights with a 10-year, $2 billion package back in 2011. The agreement runs through the current 2020 to 2021 season. And that's expiring this year. That will go away very soon. Yes, and as we reported that ESPN may be looking to buy that package. That makes sense. This is who they were waiting on. Mm-hmm. NBC Sports Network also has a $4.4 billion rights package with NASCAR that expires in 2024 and coming up on its renewal option with Europeans Soccer Premier League rights, uh, Europe's, uh, worth roughly $1 billion. Meanwhile, Peacock, the streaming service, yeah. has struck a deal for exclusive rights to the WWE. A person familiar with the deal said it runs five years and is valued at more than $1 billion. Under the agreement, the WWE will shut down the WWE network streaming service it owns in the United States in mid-March, and Peacock will then license all the programming, including the popular WrestleMania franchise, for its own platform. Older WWE events will also be archived in the Peacock platform as part of this deal. It'll be a replacement for the formerly known as the WWE Network. Um, NBC Universal's USA Network is the television home of WWE shows already, such as Raw and NXT. NBC Universal, of course, is a unit of Comcast. Uh, I don't know why they no- mentioned that <laughs> in this story. The WWE's other big show, SmackDown, though, is on Fox, which is owned by its own company as well. Episodes of all three shows will be carried on Peacock, though, after the initial runs on a USA at Fox because of the existing WWE network contract. So this was a lot of information. But basically, if you're a wrestling fan, you had to get Peacock. Well, let's back up first here. Mm-hmm. NBC Sports is shutting down. Right. No more hockey. They did Friday night rivalry hockey. Sad. Gone. They also did NASCAR, renting all the three or four previous races leading up to the yeah. big Sunday race, which would be on Fox. Those all now go to USA. Right. 
Reason being, USA has roughly six more, six million more viewers right. than tr- current sports network. Yeah. So it makes sense you're getting additional viewers and it's easier to find on your cable box. Right. But the real deal here is that they needed something to boost Peacock streaming and they're betting on sports. It's smart. If you ask me, I think it's a good move. I um, think yeah. these, these things are all, they're not the biggest sports in the world. But they're passionate. And... Wrestling's barely a sport, but they're all got their, yes, you're their passionate fans and they're all niche enough that combined, the power of them all combined is actually lucrative. Right. And if you want it, you need to go there, which is why a lot of people need it to go to uh, the NBC Sports Network to want to watch their hockey games or whatever broadcast it was, whether I mean, usually you get your local broadcast, like we get ours on Prime Ticket and Fox Sports West. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted games outside your market, you went there. Right. Now, if you get all of that on Peacock via streaming, that may be a better deal. I mean, that deal does expire, so we don't know what about hockey. But they have been doing a lot more of the Premier League on their live channels when they do go live. And getting all that pulled in with wrestling, which the day it was announced, which was Monday, Raw did a big announcement on it because I watched it waiting for them to say it. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) Say it. And then when I looked on Peacock that night on Monday, they had a lot of wrestling content already up there the deal moved fast. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's also probably in the works. So it's like, okay, here's the streaming set that you need. It's ready to go when you make the announcement. But yeah, WWE Network is going away. It's sad. I don't know. Depends how well Peacock merges it in with its own stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of stuff that they got to move over. But it's a lot of content. You're right. It's going to get a lot of viewers. I think so. I think it's a good move. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about another potentially big move um, over at HBO Max. Everyone's favorite boy wizard might be showing up in television form as a Harry Potter TV live action series is in development at HBO Max. Um, of course, you could probably say, hmm, questionable timing on that. And yeah, you'd be right. But here's basically what's going on. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that executives have engaged in multiple conversations with potential writers exploring various ideas that would bring the beloved property to television. Sources say broad ideas have been discussed as part of the early stage exploratory meetings. No writers or talent are currently attached as the conversations are still in extremely early stages and no deals have been made. Um, but yeah, if they do that, you know, obviously there's a built-in audience for that. I think it would be a very popular thing to base a television show on, but it is also entering a very um, tumultuous um, uh, world involving comments that the author, the original author has made about um, all sorts of things. So yeah, I'm conflicted just how I was about the Harry Potter video game when that got announced. It's like, this is something that should absolutely exist for the fans of the franchise and 
has a built-in audience for it who are clamoring for the content, but is this the time? So here's my pitches for it. One, they they did the exact same thing for the Game of Thrones spinoffs where they brought in eight to 10 writers and Mm -hmm. showrunners and executives, did pitch meetings with them, got them into early development, and then from those picked one, which ended up being House of Dragons, to Mm -hmm. go into full production. Right. That's what they're doing here. They're just not outright saying it. It might not be specifically Harry Potter series, but but something set in the Wizarding World. Because that's mainly what they want to promote, the Wizarding World. But anything in that Wizarding World is going to have that stink on it, is what I'm saying. Yes, but you see what they did with the Watchmen TV series, where Mm -hmm. it wasn't a direct adaptation, but rather a sequel of sorts. Yeah. Do something like that, where it's set in modern day with modern day technology, but also a part of the Wizarding World and how that would work. How do you feel with magic and cell phones magic and stuff in modern times because i remembered uh there is something that i have to talk about in thoughts let me write that down real quick keep going okay but but yeah i mean something like that could be interesting to tell they're already telling the backstory for dumbledore uh and yeah a lot of that with the crimes of grindelwald and Mm -hmm. that whole backstory um the video game is exploring the 1800s. You could go even further into how Hogwarts was formed and the early years of Hogwarts. You could do side stories set within the world of Harry Potter and how other people viewed, like, say, in Hufflepuff, how they viewed all these weird and extraordinary events happening indirectly during their school year without them directly affecting things in the Harry Potter universe. That's true. And I think they'll likely um, do something like that. Yeah, it's hard for me to see them do a direct one-to-one book-to-screen or book-to-TV adaptation. I mean, it would make sense, but you'd have to recast those actors to have them grow up. You'd have to cast kids. It's, it's, you want to get around casting yeah. kids and you want to cast likely. adults, you age them up and you do something like that where you cast adults in adult roles. Yeah, doing it seems adult like, situations on adult content of HBO. I think, yeah, I think it seems like franchise wise, that seems to be the approach that they're currently taking. So uh, no, I would not be surprised. I think, yeah, the, the, the approach seems to be like, let's make this a living, breathing world as opposed to just a story about these characters. So mm-hmm. I think you're right. But we won't know for probably a while because if they haven't even decided the concept they're working on, we're not going to have a television show probably for another year, maybe two. Let's see. Game of Thrones took three years post those meetings. So yeah. So we're looking at 2024, possibly 25. Going to be a while. That but what's being not said... Gonna- if HBO wants to contact us and hear our pitch meeting or my pitch <laughs> meetings, I have ideas. I got a pitch for them. Don't do it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about television thoughts. We have just a couple to talk about real quick. Um, let's have you go first, though, because I feel like they'll have more glowing things to say about the thing you watched. Um, All right. What so, do you got? Um, Disney Plus released 
Pixar popcorn, which is Pixar shorts. Um, one minute in length, roughly, for the new directors and kind of one-offs for their internal development team. Also, as tech demos, because, oh boy, there's a lot of good stuff in this visually. Mainly being they deal with a lot of reflection, reflection off glass, reflection off mm-hmm. bubbles, reflection off eyeballs. Ray tracing. Ray tracing, I want to say. <laughs> a lot of that is evident in these shorts. Mm-hmm. That being said, they are very short and they're very demo-y, meaning you're not, they're not very dialogue heavy. I think there's a total of 10 lines mm-hmm. throughout the 10 different shorts. And a lot of that goes to Key and Peel doing their bunny ducky bits. <laughs> and that's it. Okay. So it feels a lot like those first director kind of short things where, yeah, we want to grow and foster talent within our company. Mm-hmm. So here we do something with these characters that we know and love but also here's the limited grunt and unks and b-roll dialogue that we have that you can work with because we're not paying the actors to come in to say new dialogue lines right right create a silent short essentially and most of them are silent shorts okay like i said with the exception of the key and peel coming in and I don't know if they did it themselves or if it was just excess dialogue that they had to work with. It's well, fine. If it's They're fine, all yeah. Quick. It does. If you run them back to back to back, <laughs> I think it's 25 minutes in length total. Oh, okay. I could probably knock those out tonight, actually. I might do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does, it's give you that option in at the back end of Disney+. Plus. But, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pixar does new stuff with the intros every time with different popcorn because it's Pixar popcorn. Right. So it looks like they're trying to do a lot of stuff. And basically this is their first instances of touching. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Let's try that. Mm -hmm. Mm. So it's good for like those kind of like animated tech demos, not so much for storytelling (laughs) and like furthering any type of actual plot that you want. But it's kind of those other things where you're like, it's fun to see the characters in a normal environment doing something. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's fine. Check it out. Disney Plus. I'll tell you what's not fine. (laughs) Okay, so you added something like off the top of your head that you basically forgot about (laughs) until uh, two minutes ago. There's a reason why I forgot about it because I did not enjoy this. Um... So real quick, before I go into this, does the name Winx Club sound familiar to you? No. Should it? Okay. it may, I guess it depends on where you're at. But so in the mid-2000s, there was a toy and cartoon franchise marketed to girls called the Winx Club. And there was a bunch of colorful fairies that all had different powers. Um, I know about this because... You know, the occasionally seeing it on television, seeing ads for the toys, and also video game marketing, because I believe there are a few tie-in video games. 
Um, so out of nowhere, they have rebooted this franchise, Long Dormant, uh, into a adult Netflix show that is ostensibly not for kids. Um, taking advantage of, hey, we don't ha- we have a lot of supernatural uh, shows like that that do kind of this kind of people with powers things, but none of them are fairies. What about fairies, guys? And that's exactly what this thing is. So I watched the pilot for this thing. Um, and yeah, it's very by the numbers. Uh, kid ostracized from her parents because of her powers, finds out she's a pa- fairy, uh, goes to fairy school. <laughs> uh, basically, it's like a fairy college. Um, right, let me do this. Um, control <laughs> F, Harry Potter, Control R, fairies, magic and fairies. Except move up the ages to college age. They're not kids. Um, And then the powers are like, seem very arbitrary where she just happens to be, have fire powers for no no clear reason. The other girls that she knows, like one has like plant powers, one has water powers. You know, it's like they're all kind of upset. So maybe she's born with it. Yeah. Maybe she's born with that. Um, there's talk talk about like the lineage and how like oh if you're born to <laughs> if you're born to parents with powers you will get powers. But she doesn't think her parent her parents are normal humans. How did she get her powers? So basically, it's very by the numbers, very predictable kind of this kind of show. <gasps> um, my parents lied to me my whole life. Oh, I'm a this, and I didn't even know the whole time. Yeah, it's very much that. And of course, there's drama with the uh, with the girls. They have to live with each other in the dorms. So there's like, you know, like, oh, she's so like, she always has her headphones on. She doesn't listen to me. I'm the nice one, and stuff like that. And it's very, very predictable. And yeah, not my thing at all. So we watched the pilot. Uh, friend of the show, Christy, got into it. I bounced right off of it. I was like, I'm getting this ver- a way better and more interesting version of this story on uh, Disney's The Owl House, so I don't need this. So you can't tell me if our protagonist is the chosen one or not? Don't know that yet, but it does seem like signs could go that way because she's special. It's already established that, that she's more specialer than the other girls. She so. can break the curse of the school. Something like that. Or she's connected to the bad things that have been happening because of course she is. There's literally a line where the dude, one of the dudes that works at the school says, wow, I think these things are connected. And I hit my <laughs> head and I was like, I can't believe a character just said In the pilot, that he thinks these things the are connected. Episode. Talking about the big like background lore and the big main character of the show. And I'm like, of course they are. So it's it's that. It's super pulpy. If it's, I ever you know... come across that in real life, I will forever <laughs> call that person protag. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, needless to say, it I think a lot of people are gonna like it because it's exactly what you think it is. If you like that kind of like people with powers, light drama stuff where stuff explodes and people argue with each other and you know it's it's that kind of thing and there's magic and i don't know it's not my thing but it exists and it's weird they brought back such a weird old franchise back from the dead so and it's weird that they would up their ages too it makes sense though if you're making a tvma rated netflix show that you would want them to i don't know have romantic prospects that you kind of have to raise their ages 
Okay. If it, that's the show that you want to write. All right. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was very good. Well, let's move Did on. Did you though, watch you Call Me Cat yet? No, I told you. I, I told you I watched that stuff off the podcast a couple of weeks ago, so we didn't need to talk about it. But yeah, okay. Also, sucks. Moving on. All right. Unless you have any other uh, shows to talk about before we move on. Nine one one continues to be uber ridiculous and over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. Okay. Sports, Super Sports. Bowl. Yep, coming. Coming. Coming soon to a TV near you. But in the meantime, we usually have cancellations or renewals to tell you about um, things that are canceled or things that are renewals. But this year, this week, there's just renewals, no cancellations. So let's get into it. First up, Eli Roth's History of Horror will be getting a third season on AMC. The Weakest Link, the current iteration, uh, that's Jane Lynch, right? Yes, the reboot. Uh, I was getting NBC, a third, a second season on NBC. Tehran will be getting a second season on Apple TV+. The Blacklist will be getting a ninth season on NBC. That's five more than it should. <laughs> yeah. I Can See Your Voice will be getting a second season on Fox. The Bold Type, its fifth season will be its last on Freeform. And Love Island will be getting a third season on CBS, the American version of the British show. Yes, that third season will go to an actual island this time instead of the previous seasons just taking place in Las Vegas. I mean, yeah, you have to go to an island at this point. Mm-hmm. They clear, clear all the disease. Next up, we have deaths. We have a few, uh, uh, yeah, a couple, a couple ones to get through here. Uh, well, actually more than a couple. Um, some big names this week, unfortunately. First up, baseball legend Hammer Hank Aaron, age 86, Hall of Fame baseball player, played for the Braves and the Brewers, and a civil rights activist. Aaron holds the MLB records for most career runs batted in RBIs, 2297, extra base hits, 1477, total bases, 6,856. Aaron is also in the top five for career hits, 3,771, and runs at 2,174. He is only one of four players to have at least 17 seasons with 150 or more hits. Aaron is in second place in home runs at 755 and at bats, 12,364, and in third place in games played at a total of 3,298. Eight. So it is of note that for those career. last three records, he held the top spot for all those records. Yeah. Until they were broken after him. Right. It's just when you see it in numbers like that, it's just an incredible, incredible run in baseball. So, um, yeah. yeah. When you any infographic you see will just have Hank for MLB will have Hank Aaron like, yeah. at the top in pretty much every category. He was that good. Right. And yeah, uh, civil rights activist as well, off the field and in his post-career. Just an overall good guy. It's a sad one to be missed. Yeah. Also sad in the television world was the loss of Larry King this week, age 87. A Hall of Fame broadcaster, of course, of Larry King Live, Larry King Now, Politicking with Larry King, 
and countless, countless appearances, whether cameo appearances in scripted shows or interview shows. Just the man was a television legend who was a force for years and years and years, decades on TV that you could be guaranteed to see him interviewing whatever the people on everybody's minds were at the moment. Him and his suspenders. Yes, a classic look, classic delivery. Um, yeah, he will definitely be remembered as one of those television legends for sure. Also this week, George Armstrong, age 90, a Hall of Fame hockey player for the Maple Leafs, part of the Stanley Cup champion team in 1962, 63, 64, and 67. One of the few hockey players to perform the hat trick of Stanley Cup champions. Wow. In which that ring that he's on was recently retired uh, as they move the rings down for okay. newer players. The bottom one always gets retired. So mm, that one was just retired. Okay. And then lastly, Cloris Leachman, age 94, actress on The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Young Frankenstein, among others, Oscar winner back in 1971. So yeah, some big names. But we have to move on at some point. And we now move on to the music section where I toss this over to you. And we start with a billboard. And we always start music with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And get your keys, get your buds, hop in the car, because I got a driver's license. Well, she notably she does not have her buds with them. She with yes. with her. She is by herself. Yes, as she's <laughs> by herself driving by her former yeah. lover, right boyfriend. That's key thing. I I believe both people involved in that triangle have now recorded songs uh, in response to driver's license. By the way, yes, <laughs> it's very weird what's going on. But anyway, the driver's license by Oliva Rodrigo. Once again, your number one song this week. Yeah. At number two, surprise, out of nowhere, yeah. shocking yeah. the world. Not really. 3-4 <laughs> plus 3-5 by Ariana Grande featuring Doja Cat and Megan the Stallion. Yeah, it turns out that you put a couple of superstars on a remix of your song and it'll shoot up to the top. If oh, it wasn't it's a re-release? For... Yeah, it's a remix. Oh, it's not the original because Doja Cat and Mo- Megan the Stallion aren't on the record version. Right. No, this is the remix, and it would have been number one if it wasn't for the continued strength of Driver's License. Boo on the remix. No. Uh, at three, Mood by Tornfork Golden featuring Ian Dior. At four, yeah. Blinding Lights by the Super Bowl halftime show The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. And at number five, Positions by Ariana Grande. That's two in the top five for Ariana. This week. Ariana. As for your album start, your Billboard 200, your number one album is Dangerous, colon, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Second week in number one. At number two, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. At three, The Good Times and the Bad Ones by... Why don't we? <laughs> yes. Why don't we? Uh, at four, Evermore by Taylor Swift. And at five, Positions by Ariana Grande. No, <laughs> that is not a typo. 
That is the album positions at number five, along with the single positions at number five. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. We have Revolutionary Love by Annie DeFranco. On All Fours by Goat Girl. Sound Ancestors by Mad Lib. Vertigo Days by No Twist. And OK Human by Weezer. Yes, that Weezer. Yeah, this was kind of a surprise announcement, more or less, a couple weeks ago that they said they were going to put out a record at the end of the month. And here it is. Oh, well, I mean, this would be the end of the month. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. You kept your word. Unlike some people... (laughs) <laughs> Looking at you, Kanye. <laughs> yeah, all bets are off with that guy. <laughs> all right, let's get into some music news, shall we? Let's. Not a strong week, just a heads up. <laughs> all right, fine. Spoil it for me. <laughs> you were complaining about these stories before we started recording, just saying. Yes, but I, what I do off podcast and on podcast are two different <laughs> things. Fair enough. All right, let's start with Sub Pop Records, which has opened a new retail store in Seattle's South Lake Union neighborhood. The flagship location, located at 2130 7th Avenue, sells shirts, hats, hoodies, various knickknacks, trinkets, and objects to art, according to an announcement, as well as actual vinyl LP copies. You know, records <laughs> of every hardly art and sub pop release currently in print. The new location follows the sub pop airport store, which mm-hmm. opened in 2014. Sub pop, which launched in 1988 with early releases by Nirvana, Mud Honey, and Soundgarden, is currently home to such acts as the Postal Service, John Father, Father John Misty. <laughs> John Father Misty, John Father Misty, Father John, and John and Father Misty John, Beach House, and Wolf Parade, among others, said the label's co-founder slash president, Jonathan Ponman, quote, this is Sub Pop's flagship store. It's long on goodies and short on hours, so... Beat the rush. We mean to represent these artists as faithfully and diligently as possible and hold out hope that this is enough for us to remain solvent in the face of the well-documented collapse of the music industry at large. We also enjoy laughter, good times, (laughs) and the company of friends. (laughs) So yeah, uh, it makes sense for a cup for a label this um, you know long lived and famous among the indie circles to make a brick and mortar store. Uh, it makes sense as kind of a place for people to go and get stuff from them specifically. Um, they already had the one in the airport, and so it makes sense to do this. But the timing, of course, is the question here. The way that they're phrasing it, which, of course, is very tongue-in-cheek and obviously not meant to be taken seriously, but does kind of bring into question, like, during a pandemic, is this the best time to open up a store like this? 
So yeah, there's a lot of questions about the timing here, but in general, I think it's a good idea. All right, but we have seen stores like Amoeba Records shutter. Yeah, which kind of the dark side of the story. Yeah, but hey, good for them. I mean, those are some pretty good bands. You can get LPs of them in Seattle. Not going to say it's worth a trip up there, but... <laughs> but if you're there if and you're you there. Really enjoy the music, then it's a, a nice place to stop by. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, see you next time I'm in the Seattle area. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our second story. Who is Jojo Siwa? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Did I say she... that right? Yeah, Jojo Siwa. Just real quick before you start, if you don't know who uh, Jojo Siwa is, she was a uh, child star from from the Nickelodeon uh, machine, uh, who Zoomers probably are more familiar with than we are, um, known for her singing uh, and dancing. She's kind of a talented kind of um, touring musician. And yeah, in fact, uh, I didn't know who she was until she actually was here in Anaheim performing at the Honda Center. I drove past the big sign that said Jojo Siwa, and I was like, who the hell is that? And so I found out later. Uh, But yeah, that's basically all you need to know. Uh, In School of Rock and Dance Bombs, Mm -hmm. and is only 17. She's very young. If you know what I mean. Okay. Mm. Don't like that. Okay. Oh, Kids Choice Award for Favorite Musical YouTube Creator. There you go. So what's the story about JoJo? See um, let's see. The 17-year-old singer, dancer, actor, <laughs> and YouTube personality. A quadruple threat there has come out as gay after alluding to it on social media over the past couple days. Siwa first hinted at her coming out in a TikTok video posted to her over... Oh my god. Do you remember? (laughs) Yeah. 31 million and growing fans. Yeah. Uh 31 million plus for a 17-year-old? Uh-huh. Why? Am I old? (laughs) Is this the I am old now and I am out of touch with the cool kids? Yeah, no, no. A lot of people know who this girl is. Just people younger than we are. Like, very younger, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, Zoomers. Uh, that's what we're She's calling Zoomer star. Uh, anyway. All right. Anyways, in the video, she dances to Born This Way. You know, the 2011 smash hit by Lady Gaga. You know, mm-hmm kind of like an LGBTQ anthem or something. (laughs) The video has more than 4.5 million likes and 25 million views. By far, Siwa's most popular video on TikTok. Out of the over 26,000... 260,000 is how you read that number. 26,000. Or 260,000. Uh-huh. If you want to split it, uh-huh. uh, comments on the video. Several prominent YouTube influencers, such as James Charles, Colleen Ballinger, first names, Nikki Day Jagger, again. Bre- what? Oh, two first names. Colleen two first names. It happened again. 
Oh, James Charles, two first names. James Charles. James Charles, two first names. <laughs> Nikki DeJagger. Brett Man Rock, also two first names. And more congratulated and praised her. <laughs> I'm sorry, one more take. One more, can I get one more take on Nikki DeJager or Jaeger? Nikki DeJager? <laughs> DeJager? DeJager? <laughs> Yeah, you were like Nikki DeJagger, and I was like, that cannot be how you pronounce it. Is it Jagger? Jaeger? I, I don't know. Yager? I'm just saying, I don't think it's Jagger. Jagger? Like Mick Jagger? <laughs> that has two G's. Anyway, so yeah, congratulations for, 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 for being who you are, JoJo Siva. <laughs> Let's move on. Do you have any thoughts about television? Or wait, well, I have more what thoughts section on are we? Music. <laughs> Music, sorry. Yes, uh, uh, I have a thought. Uh, what has Jojo Siwa um, put out musically? I don't know. Cool. <laughs> you found this story in music. Yeah, because it's been going around. I knew who she was. I just don't know her music. Sorry. All right. So Let's that's for all you young kids. See, we're cool. We're in the know. We're hip. <laughs> So cool. All right. Uh, did you listen to anything? No. Moving on. Okay, moving on to video games. Let's get to it. This is the meat right here. All right. This is what we've been waiting for and what we want to talk about. Yeah. All right. Uh, but first, new releases. Yeah. The Yakuza Remastered Collection for the Xbox One and PC. Yakuza. That's what I said. Yakuza. <laughs> We also have the medium for Xbox Series X and PC. Personally, I'm holding out for the large. Uh, I'm personally holding out for the child size, <laughs> which is roughly the size of a child. <laughs> roughly. <laughs> My favorite right. Parks and Rec joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. We also have re colon zero dash starting life in another world. Colon. <laughs> The prophecy of the throne. Because there has to be at least one really weird title every week. For the PS4, the Switch, and the PC. We also have God's Will Fall for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Crucially, this is a different game than Godfall. Don't be confused when you go to the <laughs> store and buy it. I mean, you probably don't want either of those games, but no. <laughs> maybe... I wonder how much uh, back and forth I have to go over with who gets what name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and lastly. lastly, we have Wise X colon Monstrum Knox. It's East. I know, it's East 9. Yeah. East 9 colon Monstrum Knox <laughs> for the PS4. Whew, what a week. Lots of colons everywhere. Speaking of colons, Yes. Video game bits. Okay, I don't so, know what that has to do with colons. Maybe if I eat the bits, it'll go into my colon. No, I mean, the first one's about Activision, so I figure that's colonoscopy. But yes, there's so much happening in video games this week, we had to put them in the bits. All right, so there were two main stories out of all this. Yeah. 
but you want to throw in everything else as well. But I wanted to throw in everything else. I want to throw in everything else as There's well. There's important right. things Here's happening. The kitchen sink that is game. Kitchen game. sink. The bits. The bits. Yeah, the bits. The bits. Let's talk about it. All right. Activision merges mm-hmm. Tony Hawk developer Vicarious Visions into Blizzard. Yeah, Vicarious Visions, a long-tenured uh, Activision studio known for having their hands in all sorts of different franchises, but most recently developed the uh, well-received and critically acclaimed remakes of Tony Hawk 1 and 2. Uh, but yeah, they're getting folded completely into Blizzard to assist with Blizzard projects there, which means their Vicarious Visions we knew as a studio no longer exists. Is it the same Vicarious Visions that did the other remakes for um, Spyro and Crash Bandicoot? I believe they did um, have head uh, development on that Crash game. The Spyro, I'm not sure, but I would assume. Um, but yeah, no, they've been uh, they've been showing off their 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 uh, proficiency, their re- remaster skills. The rumor is is that the thing that they're being tasked to do at Blizzard is a remake of Diablo two. Oh, the one everyone likes? The one that everybody liked, yeah. Uh, questionable, if you ask me, considering that they're trying to sell Diablo 4 at some point. So And Diablo 3 <laughs> came out for the PS3 or PS4. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. A while. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's kind of sad, but I guess kind of exciting to get some good talent over in Blizzard. But yeah, it's a, a weird story. Wait, I forget. Do we like Blizzard or not like Blizzard? I think I mean, we're in the no been, camp, right? They've had some real rough years lately, and talent keeps hemorrhaging out of them. So I don't think it's a question of whether we like them or not. It's a question of, are they the same Blizzard they used to be? And it seems like that answer to that question is no. All right. Well, speaking of future games, Lord of the Rings, colon, Gollum, delayed to 2020. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even know this existed until this news hit. Um, I guess they're making a Lord of the Rings game about Gollum. Makes sense. Might as well milk that money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's an Animal Crossing update coming tomorrow, yeah. the 28th. What does this entail? Um, it's like a, a, a new holiday that they've introduced uh, to the game. I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, they're just placing a holiday into the end of January. Nice. Uh, Konami is restructuring internal teams, but not closing its game studios. Yeah, when they first announced that they were restructuring, they had said something along the lines of the st- like one of their studios that was straight up named like their game studio was being basically folded. So people initially were like, oh no, like it's real. Like Konami's not making video games anymore. But they went on to clarify that no, they're still going to be this like game studios will still be, will still exist. It's just that one is going to be restructured. So ended up being a big, big thing for basically nothing. But this confirms that Konami will maybe make a video game again someday. Like Konami official and not like any of their subsidiary Yeah, studios. we'll see. We'll see what happens, but um, it's not done is what All this right. means. Uh, we also have Resident Evil Re-Verse, which is a multi-shooter with a cast of characters from previous Resident Evil games was announced. Yeah, is this announced... Reverse or Re-Reverse? Reverse. Resident Evil 
Resident Evil verse. Versus... Either way, I guess. Because, um, yeah, this was announced alongside of um, some more news about the upcoming Resident Evil Village. And, uh, yeah, it's yet another stab at a multiplayer Resident Evil game. I feel like every time they've tried this, no one's cared. So I feel like it's just going to be another I mean, version of that. you're going to try and bump it up against a sequel that people want to play, Resident Evil right. Village. So, yeah, this will come free with purchase of Village. Which, if you want to purchase Village, the demo is currently up on the PS5. Yes. With the game expected to release in May of this year. Yeah. Okay. I say um, expected to release because who knows, who knows if it'll make it. Uh, it seems like it's pretty much, uh, though, they're, they're making fin- finishing touches on that thing, though. Apparently, it's way further ahead than most people thought it would be. Um, and that demo is called Resident Evil Maiden. And is, yeah, exclusive right now for PlayStation 5. There will be another demo for Village that will come out on all platforms later, but it will be different than the one that PlayStation 5 is getting now. So is this considered a demo or a prelude? It's considered a demo, but it's outside of the realm of the game. It involves some of the same characters, and some of the mechanics are the same. The way that they put it was it introduces you to a lot of the concepts that will be at play in Village, but does not necessarily contain content from Village. So it's Metal Gear 5 Prologue. Yeah, it's like that. Um, Yeah. Or PT, what PT was supposed to be when there was going to be a game attached to it. (laughs) And lastly... They did something similar with 7. before that sure. game released. Okay. And lastly, regarding PlayStation, the free PS Plus games for February are announced. Yeah. Concrete Genie, Destruction All-Stars for the PS5, right. and Control colon, Ultimate Edition. Glad I didn't buy that for the Switch. Yeah, this is kind of a big deal, considering um, Concrete Genie was one of the few uh, exclusive PlayStation 4 games last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Control the Ultimate Edition is the version that plays better on the newer consoles and includes the DLC. And that will be, even though it's not clarified, like it, that both the PS4 version and the PS5 version. But then if you have a PS5, you can get on board early with Destruction All-Stars, which is one of the games that they showed off at one of the PlayStation showcases for the PS5 last year. Right. You can also purchase these using your PlayStation Plus account. Mm-hmm. And then download them later when you actually get a PS. Just make sure that you're in your <laughs> library by the end of the month. Right. All right, and that's it for like. Nope, that's not it for video game news. No, it's not. We got a couple of big stories to talk about here. Yep. Uh, first one being Microsoft announces a price hike, <laughs> and then the internet freaked out. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft reversed it, <laughs> reversed position. <laughs> This is my favorite story from the past week. Okay, it wasn't my favorite story. Okay, that's sure. The next yeah, I know what you mean. Is the favorite story the shit show was your favorite story? Obviously. So here's basically the, chron- the 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 events here. I'm just I just like this because it deals with Microsoft kind of putting its own foot in its mouth and shooting <laughs> itself in the face. Though when you break it down, it actually makes some sense what they're trying to do here. But okay, here's basically what happens. So the, the thing that they announced that they were intending on doing was they were going to raise the price of the one-month and six-month cards that renew your Xbox Live Gold membership. I want to be as specific as possible here because the annual Xbox Live Gold subscription was phased out last year. 
they stopped selling those cards completely and it's no longer an option digitally either. There's no classic way classically to do a year's worth of Xbox Live Gold anymore. The idea being they wanted to convert people over to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which includes live uh, subscription in its monthly fee. Right, which we had talked about last year when they made this yeah. move, when they decided to phase them out. But what Microsoft realized is that there are a lot of existing Microsoft or Xbox customers who never did the annual uh, subscription. Instead, they would periodically get cards for upping months or six months because those would often go on sale or you often would find good deals for those smaller increments. I had a friend who did this and that's how they continued their Xbox Live membership was just by these little small increments and just gathering a mountain of them and just having Xbox Live for forever. Right, you could also get them from birthdays and Christmas gifts and they're just easy to just like drop into your stockings. And sometimes they're included in games. Sometimes they're included in console purchases. And so, yeah, you just let them pile up basically. So Microsoft was targeting those consumers with this price hike. The reason why the internet freaked out though is because the amount they increased it. They were increasing the six month card specifically to $60 which was the former price of the annual subscription. So you're basically looking at half the time, the subscription time for, yeah, for like that you would have gotten previously for the same price. Not a good look, especially for a company whose whole deal right now is talking about flexibility and accessibility for anybody who wants to play their games. Like the very ethos of Game Pass is, here's a very low rate for a billion games to play. This is the opposite of that especially considering that this was an ecosystem that up until yesterday required you to subscribe to uh, Xbox Live Gold in order to play free-to-play games like Fortnite. So yeah, by the end of the day, Microsoft reversed the decision thanks to the backlash. Not only did that, but also said, hey, also, free-to-play games? Yeah, you don't need gold anymore. You can just play them. And voila. (laughs) Right, I mean, much like with the PlayStation Plus, you need a PlayStation Plus to play online multiplayer. Yeah, Same but Xbox Live. Sony, unlike Microsoft, had made an exception for free-to-play games. Right, that you could still do free-to-play games without it. Right, but now both now there's parity at least for those consoles. But the question still lies: Why does micro, Why does Xbox Live Gold exist at all? When you have an ecosystem on the PC where you can play all those games online for free. I mean, they want people to go to Ultimate. When the Xbox Series S was announced, we looked at it as the Game Pass machine that Mm -hmm. you play it on. Yeah. Things aren't going so well for them. Ooh, Xbox, are you in trouble? I don't think that's what it is. I think that the, 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 the angle I think they were going for is the more that they try to push people off of getting those cards, the more likely they are to sign up for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. They want people to leave the gold system completely behind. They want Game Pass subscribers. Is this a... I feel like this is a fast food tactic or something where like small portions you normally get get either smaller portions or too much of the price. So you end up buying the regular combo anyways. Yeah. Because the price you used to get or used to buy no longer is a good deal. 
Right. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. It's like, let's try to put as much value in the thing we want people to buy. So that way there's no reason for them to get the small a la carte option. And let's just pump that up to make it look even worse. But the problem doing that so brazenly is that the internet is going to call you on your shit every single time. And sure enough, that's what happened. I mean, yeah, I mean, internet calls everyone on all their shit. <laughs> yeah, for better. You have the internet calling shit on everybody. Oh boy, yeah, this thing. All right, so this story is of the week, last story, but <laughs> it's also the big story. If you uh, have any money and are not investing it in the stock market, <laughs> one, congratulations, that is a volatile market. Yeah, how volatile is it? You ask. I Pretty hear you through the volatile. speakers. Mm-hmm. Ah. So the stock market, or as one person has been quoted to saying it, the economy. <laughs> oh, stonks. Of, stonks. Kind stonks. Of blew up over the past week. Yeah. Um, as the Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets, and a bunch of stock amateurs decided to inflate GameStop's prices to record high. <laughs> How yeah. high, you ask? <laughs> Last year, at this time, game stock traded for about three, three to four dollars per stock. Mm-hmm. Today, or maybe it was yesterday, it hit three hundred and fifty dollars per stock. That's a yeah. ten thousand point bump, percent bump. Why? What? Why? What did GameStop do differently? Did they hire a new CEO? Did they open more locations? Did they raise prices? Did they have a new invention? Did some (laughs) miracle up mount high of GameStop employees or corporate decide that hey, we have this crazy new thing that people all of a sudden want? Nope. Nope. None of that. They can't even sell you a new console for the life of them. So the question then becomes, how does the stock of GameStop jump so high? And it's because of the collective action of a bunch of idiots over at Reddit. Okay. (laughs) Throw the quotes around idiots here because they're not the ones who originally held said stock. Yeah. Um. So, as we've noted on this podcast and frequently on this podcast, that (laughs) GameStop, one, is a publicly traded company, and two, has been in some financial trouble over the past couple of years. Yeah. Meaning they can't get people to come into their stores, meaning they can't get people to buy their games. At one point, we had a CEO for a rental of four months before he left the company saying I can't take it anymore get me out of here so needless to say the company that is GameStop was flailing you keep calling it GameStop which is really funny it is GameStop (laughs) (laughs) because that's how they're making their money right now (laughs) GameStop so yeah it's um basically it's worth pennies on dollar like you can give 
your kid lunch money and he can go buy GameStop. <laughs> GameStop stock. Game stock and GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna keep calling it GameStop. GameStop. <laughs> GameStop ninety-nine. Anyway. Anyways, um CEOs or was it no was the CEO, the hedge fund company decided to short the stock of GameStop because they were worth nothing. You just mm-hmm. buy short and then you sell it whatever it's at. Um, so basically means you buy at at $3 and then whatever it is in three months, that's what you sell it at. Well, those three months came in January, roughly this week. Mm-hmm. So in order to drive up the price of those stocks... A bunch of people on the internet decided to buy said stocks in order to drive up the price of the stock. Meaning when those hedge fund managers were forced to sell the stock, they had to sell it at its current price, whatever it's at. Meaning what was purchased for $3, you had to sell for $350. That's mm-hmm. how the stock market works. Yeah. And that's how you have multi-millionaires or multiple millionaires, rather, seemingly over a week just emerge. So this story has been weird because not only because of the idea that a bunch of idiots at Reddit can do something like this, uh, but it's also been fun to watch the people who think that the stock market is this really important sacred thing that shouldn't be messed with come out of the woodwork this week freaking out. It's been really, really funny to watch these rich people be like, oh, this isn't supposed to be how it goes. It's like, well, yeah, no, you're just upset because other people are manipulating it instead of you. Right. And you know, you know, billionaires are crying that, oh, no, I lost money when I took a risk and it didn't pay out. Right. Shocker. Pay the consequences. Also, I don't expect a bailout because no, this is how the stock market is played. This is the free market that you're playing with. You right. let it be. That being said, though, it did was now was uh, revealed today that the current administration is looking into this. Uh, they're curious about what's going on. Whether anything will come out of it, who knows. Uh, the additional thing is that GameStop is not the only one that these Redditors are interested in. There are other companies in their sites, including the aforementioned AMC Theaters, which is why I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. Yes, because as we said, AMC Theaters stock is $10, $12. They had to sell a lot of those shares. They had to buy more liquidity in order to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. They're looking to purchase those said shares to have a majority stake in AMC in order to sell it when AMC company eventually buys them back to retain control of said company. Right. Also, they also need to pay back that loan um, eventually, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast. It's going to be interesting if what's supposed to be reading trades and private information in the days of the internet where 
anything can be public on a forum and people talk in deals because you're no longer 10 people in a room trying to figure out a stock. You're thousands upon hundreds of thousands upon possibly millions of people reading about these potential stocks and gaining into the system because you as a collective outnumber those on Wall Street Mm -hmm. making these bets, making these trades. And so, yes, the SEC, no, not the FCC, NASDAQ has come out and said that people should not be allowed to talk about trades public in a public forum <laughs> online. Which to is not censor. based on any truth at all. No, like, it's not. Nothing stops you from doing that. No, but they are, but other companies have come out to poke at, uh, what's the company? Robinhood. And say that if you are going to day trade, you need twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> in capital in order to do it. Yeah. Which, okay, fair. You do probably need some type of capital to, if something like this does happen, able to pay back stuff. But, but Robinhood offers free stock when you sign up. That's right. not a promotion. That's just no, yeah, what they say. <laughs> but but also what they're doing here is very different from just like regular investment i do want to make that clear that what the redditors are doing is laser targeted whereas the average person is going to invest in a lot of things sometimes they're going to invest in things that they don't even know what it is because they obfuscate it in the app Robinhood does something like this the one that i subscribe to acorns does that Mm -hmm. i have bonds and stuff that i don't know what they are because they don't tell me they don't surface it they just say hey we put your money somewhere right they lump it together that's so, what a hedge fund is. Right. It's so all everyone's money lumped together to raise more money from said money. Right. So and when they make an, to, an, yeah. a return on it, the hedge fund capital gets a percentage of that return. There's so, no return yeah. if you owe money, like with GameStop. So what I'm trying to say basically is, is that they're coming up with arbitrary rules because they figured out that there were loopholes in their thing. And now all of a sudden that they care about it. But in general, the entirety of the stock market is built on the backs of these loopholes, all sorts of loopholes. It's the reason why the housing market crashed, crashed in 2008. Right. So it's like mortgages. Yeah. It's like the people have been playing around with the money involved in this thing that everything's always been arbitrary with the stock market. None of this makes sense. So now when they see, you know, amateurs getting in on the game and actually making an impact now, all of a sudden, all this, they're like, Oh, now we need to shut this down. Now we need to regulation. It's like, you guys weren't begging for regulation back when you guys were running the show. So yeah, it's, it's a complicated story, but it's also a fascinating story, and it's not done. I'm sure we're going to see some repercussions in some form. It looks like um, just now I'm seeing that uh, Discord has shut down the Wall Street betting uh, channel from mm-hmm. their server, showing that with enough pushback, with enough, enough pressure from powerful people with a lot of money, a lot of these open forums might be less open, and that is a dangerous thing. So... Right. It's one thing to ban hate speech. It's completely yeah. the other thing to ban stock tips. Um, so, yeah. I think 
the government will be looking into this regarding any insider trading possibly going on. <laughs> yeah. But that's the limit of their reach. If, so far. So far. Things yeah. could change. Things could change. But that's primarily what they need to look at is, is there any insider dealings or are they all trading on publicly available information that they just happen to capitalize on because people say, hey, if we get enough people behind this thing, we can push the wall down. You know, metaphorically speaking. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on this story as it develops, I'm sure. Um, So far, it's one of my favorite stories of the year. Yeah, it's an early front runner, isn't it? So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's a weird one. Yep. Uh, speaking of weird ones, did you play anything? Uh, not really. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. All right. I got nothing new. So is that it? Are we done? I believe that will do it for this edition right. of the Media Boat Podcast. Uh, so wait, did I ask you if you wanted to invest with me into the stock market? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm good with my little low, very, very low impact investments. I don't need to go crazy with it. All right. Well, if you would like to invest with us, you can do so at Patreon. Yeah, but uh, we got other things to plug too. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, thank plug you. away. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Media Vote Podcast. This has been another episode, another fantastic episode. If you want to hear more, we're in video form and in audio form. For the videos, you can go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, find our page, our channel, to be more specific. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications. We usually put up these videos every Wednesday night, so stay tuned for more. You can also hear us in audio form and many podcast services, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and all sorts of others just like those. You can also find us on social media channels. On Twitter, we're at MediaBoatCast. Facebook, MediaBoatPodcast. Find our page by searching that term. And you can find us on the internet, MediaBoatPodcast.com, where some of our older writing is. And you can also find us by emailing us questions, comments, anything you got at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. So thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with more stories, more news, more thoughts, more of everything you love here on the Media Vote Podcast. Yep, we'll have thoughts on the little things. We'll have our Super Bowl preview and any other exciting news stories that come out. Late-breaking things that happen that, yeah, that make an impact like this week. Who knows what'll happen? All right, uh, we'll be back next week with more, more stuff. More news. All right, bye. All right, bye.